0: SassNacks, it's Chelsea back for another episode of the SassNack Files. This week I'm discussing 409 The Birds and the Bees, but before I get to that, I want to take a moment to remind you that you can find the SassNack Files on all sorts of listening platforms, including iTunes, Castbox, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, if you have not had a chance yet, make sure you head over to both Facebook and Instagram to follow the SassNack Files for all of the latest and greatest deets concerning Outlander season six and seven, as well as Diana Gabaldon's newest book, Go Tell the Bees That I'm Gone. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into my analysis of 409 The Birds and the Bees. Alright, guys. 409, The Birds and the Bees. I think easily one of my top 10 favorite episodes of the series so far. It's got so many good things that, you know, all the stuff we love about Outlander. It's got feel-good moments. It's got heartache. It's got drama. It's got some humor involved. So all around just a really good episode, and I'm so excited to break it down for you guys. This episode picks up right where the last one left off, and I think that that was a good choice. I know that they filmed the entire assault and that Sophie Skelton was not upset but didn't agree with their choice to not show that, um, and I get that from an artist's point of view. You put your heart and soul into something, and for them to cut it, it it must suck, but I think that they made up for it a little bit in the beginning of this episode when we see kind of the aftermath of it. And we see it through Lizzie's eyes, which I think helps maybe in their mind, helped justify her actions at the end of this episode because you can see it, right? When Bree comes into the room and she's got a bloody nose and she's all disheveled, her bodice is half ripped open. She's not wearing shoes. Lizzie knows something's wrong. And she already felt guilty about letting Brie go with Roger in the first place. So I think as Brie unclothes and we see the bruises on her body and the blood on her shift and petticoats, Lizzie feels absolutely terrible and 100% guilty for what happened to Brie. And if she had just been brave enough to say something it may have saved her mistress from all of this heartache. And so when it comes around at the end of the episode to Lizzie having the opportunity to do something, this time she acts. I 100% get where Lizzie's coming from. And I know it had to have been a terrible position to be in in the first place, but she royally fucked up at the end of this episode. So yes, I understand, but doesn't mean that I'm okay with the outcome, I guess, is where we're at on that front. In this beginning scene, I think that Sophie Skelton and Caitlin O'Ryan did a fantastic job because we're seeing the immediate physical harm that Brie went through, but we're also starting to see her emotional torment. Sophie Skelton did a lot of research on sexual assault, and kind of the different kinds of reactions that women have to it. And she determined based on Diana's writing that Brianna had something called tonic immobility, which basically just means rather than being able to fight her attacker, she basically just went limp. And a lot of times when that happens, those victims feel a lot more PTSD. They feel that there was something more that they could have done. They felt like it was partially their fault because they didn't fight back. And so that's definitely something that Brianna is experiencing over the course of the remainder of this season and into season five is the general PTSD of sexual assault. And I think that that's one thing that that Outlander does a really good job of. They don't shy away from the hard things, But also, it's not like an episode of network TV where something terrible happens, and then in the next episode, the characters are back to the way they were. When terrible things happen to these characters, they live with it. We see the repercussions of these terrible things further and further down the line. So that's one thing that I think Outlander does really well, and I know that I've mentioned it before, so I won't continue to harp on it, but... I felt like Sophie did a great deal of research and I think that's part of the reason that she was a little bit upset that the sexual assault was completely taken out of the show and they were just showing the outer room and everyone else's reaction to what was happening to Brie, which I think in and of itself was powerful. And whenever this episode was being filmed back in 2017, 2018, it was deep in the heart of the Me Too movement. The Harvey Weinstein scandal was very fresh in everyone's mind. And so I think stars and the Outlander producers had to be very conscientious of their choices in this situation, knowing the kind of environment that this show was going to be dropped into when it aired. So I think that probably had a very big role to play in why things ended up being the way that they were. And honestly, I think Sam Hewen thinks that they should have had a bit more of this caution whenever they were airing the season one stuff that he did. And I think that he may even regret a little bit that the graphic nature of his sexual assault portrayal with Jamie. But yeah, I think that it was a good choice to do it the way they did it and to pick up in this episode where they did showing Breeze emotional state already just a few minutes after it happened. And we kind of see the evolution of how she deals with it or how she doesn't deal with it. She does a good job of pretending that she's okay. And I think that as we move along, Claire and Jamie, they know something's up, but they have put it to the fact that she's heartbroken over Roger. And uh, yes, I'm sure that's part of it. But as we move along, we realize there is so much more to the situation in that, well, she was raped. She's pregnant. She doesn't know who the father is. I mean, imagine being a 20-something-year-old girl and going through all of this and not being able to tell anyone that you're going through it. Lizzie obviously knows that she was attacked, but doesn't know that she's pregnant. Not yet. It's just a really tough situation. So I thought that Sophie did a fantastic job with that, both the tonic immobility and the PTSD as a result of the tonic immobility. And I think that that's something that it kind of simmers over the the whole episode. And by the time we get to the end where Brie is finally in a place where she can tell somebody what happened to her. I'm glad that it was Claire that she told. And I don't really know that it could have been anyone else because that's a very hard conversation to have with anyone whenever you have to admit that you're pregnant and your child's father may be your rapist. I can't imagine that situation. And I think that Katrina did a fantastic job in her reactions, especially for someone that wasn't a mother at at the time, to balance the reaction that she had. As Brie was telling the story, it was her trying not to be judgmental that her daughter is having a child out of wedlock. And then I think she was she was going to be able to handle that because it was Roger's baby in her head. And then she was like, well, does Roger know? And then she's like, oh, well, it might not be Roger's baby. And you can really see her start to struggle at that point. And she's like, "Okay, well, who's this other Joe Schmo that my daughter apparently had a one night stand with? Like, what the hell? But you can tell she's trying to hide that from Brie because Bree is very clearly upset by what's going on. And then all of her confusion and everything just melts into this overwhelming horror over what has happened to her daughter. She just holds her and says, My baby, you know? To be a mother and know that something like that has happened to your child. When in the previous episode, You had just got done talking to your stepdaughter about how you would lay down your life for your child and have a knife to the gut before you would ever let them come to any harm. And now we're finding out that the worst has happened in a lot of respects and that she wasn't there to protect her. Like the level of guilt and horror, like she knows what Jamie went through after his rape. And to know that her daughter is now going through that as well, it just... It's horrifying. Add a child in the mix. How do you how do you reconcile that? I mean, I there's this great scene in the books that obviously they didn't include because I think it would have been much too controversial. We were already pushing the limit of controversy with another rape. But there's a scene in the books where Claire reconciles herself to give Brianna an abortion if that's what she wants. And Jamie is absolutely horrified when he finds out. But Claire says, I don't want to do this, but by God, she'll have the choice if she wants it. Because Jamie is just saying, well, that's our grandchild. How could you do that? How How could you kill an innocent baby? And Claire's like, it's a rapist baby, possibly. Like, how can you put our daughter through that? I loved that back and forth between Jamie and Claire. I think that there would have been some merit to having it in the show, but I also understand why they chose not to. But overall, loved that scene between Katrina and Sophie. I felt like the interplay in the scene was really fantastic. And I felt like they both did an amazing job because there's something about the way Sophie plays Brie in this episode. Just heartbroken, exhausted. Like, you can just tell she's not sleeping well. And overall, just... There's something very, very, very wrong. We know what it is. And like I said, Jamie and Claire are picking up on it, but they don't know what the cause of it is. So when Claire finds out, I'm so glad that she told Jamie and that it wasn't something else that he had to find out from someone else. I hate that when Jamie and Claire have miscommunications like that. It happens later on, next episode, and it's just like, if you had just communicated, if you had just said something, we could have avoided all of this. And I was glad that Claire chose to tell Jamie the way that she did. All of that being said, there is a huge portion of this episode that is feel good. That's all the dark stuff, and that's what I love about Outlander, is that you can weave in... The really terrible and heartbreaking things that happen with the feel-good, wonderful moments. The things that fill your soul with light and make you happy. Like, literally in the span of an hour, you can feel every single emotion on the spectrum of human emotion. And this episode is definitely one of those. All the stuff between Brianna and Jamie, no secret there. That's why everybody loves this episode. Myself included. Because it's what we've been waiting for. Since Jamie sent Claire back through the stones at the end of season two, it was absolutely terrible, makes my heart break every time I watch it, and he did that for Brianna. For her to be safe and to have a good life, he willingly gave her into the care of another man and has thought about her for these 23, 24 years, has wondered how she fared, whether she was okay, was she happy. Was she in love? Did she have children? What was her life like? And all of a sudden, she's right there in front of him. It's almost kind of comical because he's seen pictures of her. He knows what she looks like. And yet when she's standing right in front of him, he can't place her. She's a complete stranger to him. And it's just because he never in a million years ever expected to see her, let alone right in front of him in some back alley in Wilmington while he was taking a pee. I get it. It's like he says, because she was like, my name's Brianna, I'm your daughter. And he just stares at her and his eyes start to get wide and he suddenly sees it. But he explains to her, he said, I knew you were grown, but somehow in my mind, you were always a wee bairn and definitely never expected he just has a way with words, Destiny. This isn't the first time. There's so much about this episode that is verbatim out of the books. And those scenes always make me so giddy. Not because they're straight out of the books, but because I think Diana Gabaldon has a very, very gifted way of writing these scenes that touch me and touch a lot of people. And I think that's why the show and these books are so popular. But that scene when... They're meeting for the first time, Jamie and Bree. You have to remember what Brie has been through in the last 24 hours, and not even in the last 24 hours, but in the last couple of months. She's found out that her parents are going to die in a fire. She breaks up with Roger via letter, travels through the stones, goes back in time, almost dies of hypothermia, is rescued by Larry McKenzie, almost turned in as a witch. And then travels across the sea, not an easy voyage, has a maidservant who falls ill with malaria, finally makes it to Wilmington, finds Roger again, loses her virginity, gets in a fight with her new husband, her new husband leaves her, she's raped by Stephen Bonnet. This is a terrible time in this young girl's life, and she's done all of this relatively on her own. She doesn't have anybody to turn to except for Lizzie. And even Lizzie, she's very hesitant to talk to because she can't share that she's a time traveler. Part of the difficulty of Brie in general and her situation is that she's not used to the 18th century. It's hard. And then she sees Jamie for the first time, someone that her mother has told her about how much she loves him and how great of a man he is and how much he loves Brie. And how she always felt safe with him. And she finds him after months and months of searching. And she just bursts into tears. And I think for a minute, even in this stranger's arms, she feels like everything's going to be okay. Like, it it will all be okay. Because she found Jamie. She's found her mother. Everything else will work itself out. I read somewhere in the season four promotional stuff that I was reading that Sam really viewed this season as Jamie's love letter to his daughter. And I think that's hard to see if you're looking completely from the outside. But the whole reason that Jamie and Claire decide to stay in America is because Jamie wants to have some influence on the country that Brianna will one day call home. So that's the whole reason that they even stay in America. And then everything from this moment on, when he finds out that Brie is there in the 18th century, he does it for her. He would lay down his life for her. He would kill for her. Later on in the season, when he realizes that he screwed up, he would do anything to fix it. So yeah, when you look at it from that perspective and you're looking at Sam Hewen's take on the overall arc of the season, yeah, I can easily see how he would view that as Jamie's love letter to his daughter. That makes sense to me. There are a few scenes, one of which it's just a tiny little blip, but I love it so much, is when Jamie's showing Bree that viewpoint of the ridge And she's looking out, and he looks at her after Claire goes back to the wagon. He looks over at Bree, and he's just got this content little smile on his face. He's so proud. He's such a proud papa. It makes me so happy that he's happy. After everything he's been through, like Myrta said, you've suffered enough pain in your life. You deserve to be happy. And he really does. He deserves to be happy, guys. But it's not all sunshine and roses. And, I mean, it's Outlander. What did we expect, right? It's hard for Brie to bring herself to bond with Jamie, I think, because she feels disloyal to Frank by trying to build a relationship with her biological father. Because, I mean, that's got to be a tough place to be as a kid, knowing that your mother really loved your biological father and she just came back to your adoptive father because she didn't have a choice and your adoptive father raised you anyway. Bree loved Frank. It wasn't that Frank was mean and cruel to him. It wasn't like he was the evil stepmother of Cinderella. He was a great father. And so I can imagine Brie's conflict over this. And I know that Jamie feels that too, that she's conflicted about it. And he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. And Brie doesn't want to say the wrong thing to Jamie. We see this in the scene where they're having target practice And I love that they made Brie a better shot than Jamie. Like, that just really makes me happy. I love how Jamie's like, Christ, where'd you learn to shoot like that? And Frank taught her. And then she kind of backs off and she's like, oh, yeah, well, we used to go camping and he taught me how to shoot. And that was the end of the conversation because neither one of them knew where to go from there. And Claire is listening to this and finally just tells Jamie, she's like, you know it's okay. Like, I've watched you guys tiptoe around talking about Frank. You don't need to. Like, you don't need to tiptoe around it. Same goes for when we find out that a Brie is a disturbance in Scott's and Jamie doesn't want to tell her because he doesn't want to upset her. And Claire's like, she's not a fragile piece of glass that's going to break. You can tell her that. You know, he just doesn't want to say the wrong thing. He knows how tenuous their relationship is. And I feel bad for him because... Coming from the perspective of Jamie, all he's done is think about his daughter and her well-being, and he's loved her deeply for all this time, whereas Bree's only known he's existed for the past four years or so. So how do you convey that affection to someone that isn't really sure if they should feel that way in return? It's a very tight line to walk. That's why... Whenever they go on their hunt for bees, there is a key conversation that's held, but the icebreaker of it all is when he's like, it's so good to spend time with you, Aliana and Mansak. And she's like, you've called me that before. What does that mean? And he's kind of sheepish about it because I think it's hard for him to admit how much he cares about her when she's so seemingly iffy about the whole situation, and he says, Alianan means my darling and Mansak means my blessing. And he walks away and Bree just looks after him. I think it starts to click with her in that moment how much she means to Jamie. That despite the fact that she may not know how she feels about him, he certainly knows how he feels about her. And I think that's where she really starts to soften towards him so that by the time they have this conversation after they find the bees where he finally comes out and and he's honest with her. I think that's what one thing that Jamie is really, really good at is being honest and communicating how he's feeling so that the other understands where he's coming from. I think that is one of his all time talents. This conversation He just says, I didn't wish to replace your father. He was a good man. That's a fantastic way to start out this conversation. Brie doesn't get her guard up because she's really kind of thrown for a loop. She's like, wait, what? Because I think she always kind of viewed Jamie and Frank as having this competition and trying to win over her mother. And in reality, to find out that Jamie really respects Frank for what he did, I think, makes her feel a little bit better about having a relationship with Jamie because he's not trying to erase Frank. He's fully aware of the fact that he existed and that he raised his daughter and he was really a stand-up guy. I think that helps warm Bree to the situation more than anything he's done so far has. And she admits, she says, I feel disloyal to him, even being here with you. And he says, I'm grateful to him. He raised you for your mother's sake, a child of another man, a man he had no cause to love. He stood by you both and he loved you, even though he didn't see himself in you. I had to give you to him, though I canna say, I'm sorry you came back to me. I think those words are really all Bree needed to hear because it was a moment of honesty and clarity where neither one of them were afraid to speak what they were thinking. And it turns out that neither one of them were thinking anything bad. They weren't ill-wishing anyone. They just had this feeling that something was wrong with the situation. Brie felt that she was disappointing Frank, but she was also, I think, a bit worried that Jamie wouldn't love her the same way that Frank loved her. That there's no way that she could have that kind of love from two men in her life. That Frank was it and that nothing was ever going to be the same. And yeah, it was cool that she met her biological father, but there's no way he could hold a candle to Frank. And I think that that surprises Brie in a lot of respects, that Jamie does hold a candle to Frank. But it's not like they're the same type of candle. They're two very different candles, but they're amazing men in all respects. And the fact that Jamie says, you know, I don't want to replace him. I don't want you to forget what you had with him. I fully acknowledge that he was a great guy, and I'm glad that you had a happy childhood. I think that was going the extra mile to make her understand that all that really matters to Jamie is her happiness, and he's so happy that she's with him now. And that, you know, I can't say that I'm sorry that I got to meet you it really, it's such a beautiful moment. So beautiful. At the end of that, he says, you're my flesh and blood, but now that you've returned to me, I'm finding you're my heart and soul as well. It is so cute. Oh my God. It makes me so happy that he's happy. I know that's not going to last very long, but I can bask in that, you know? And after everything that Bree suffered here lately... It's really good to see that she's forming this relationship with Jamie because honestly, guys, like we don't get that a lot in this series and they're a lot closer in the books. And that's one thing that I really do miss. So I'm I'm hoping in season six, we'll get more. I'm not holding my breath, but I can always hope. So after the beehive scene, when they come back, Jamie can't sleep that night. And there's this really fantastic scene that he and Claire have That is honestly my second favorite scene of the episode. The first was the one I just talked about where Brie and Jamie have their heart to heart. The scene where Jamie can't sleep and she says, what's bothering you? And he says, just a foolish regret. And he admits he doesn't want Brie to go back to her own time. And that the past few weeks with her have meant the world to him. He knows that she has more opportunities in her time and that that's where she's meant to be. And he shouldn't grieve over that, over the fact that she will eventually go back. But he doesn't want to lose that. It's it's someone that has had everything he ever hoped and dreamed of in his life. And he's holding it in the palm of his hand, but he knows that eventually he's going to have to say goodbye to it. And I can't imagine that torment. It makes me sad thinking about it because He deserves happiness, guys. And yeah, obviously, we know that Brie is going to go back eventually. That's where she belongs. That's where they think Roger is. And obviously, she's going to go back to him at some point. But it's a really emotional scene. And he's clearly so happy. He's like new father happy. He's talking to Claire about how she smiles in her sleep. As you say, I do. And that scene where he sees Brie smile, oh, my God, it's so cute. Like, he is so smitten with his daughter. So smitten. You really can see him falling in love with her. He's only known the idea of her for so long, and she's everything and more that he ever dreamt of. So... I like that he draws the parallel of it to Jenny staring at each of her newborn babes for hours and how he could watch Brianna like that. And he was so excited that she called him Da. Like, oh my God, Claire. And did I tell you that she called me Da? Like, it's, oh my God, it's adorable. It really is. But I love that scene, especially when we follow it up with Claire telling Jamie that Bri was raped. Because we know how much his daughter means to him and how he's enjoying her being back. And then when he finds out that she was attacked and sexually assaulted, it almost throws this dreamy romantic light into the harsh light of reality. If Bree hadn't come back looking for Claire and Jamie, this never would have happened. So there has to be that level of guilt but also the empathy that he has because he's been there and he's been through it. And to think that his daughter is now suffering through this same thing, I bet he's just absolutely horrified. And I think Sam did such an amazing job in this scene, honestly, because when Claire sits down and says, I need to talk to you about Brianna, he immediately thinks, okay, here's what I've been dreading. She's ready to go back through the stones and I'm going to have to find a way to say goodbye to her. And he says she wants to go back. And Katrina did a really good job in this scene as well because the hesitancy in Claire, like she doesn't want to say it out loud. Who would want to admit that out loud to their spouse? And she says, no, she was raped. Jamie just doesn't know what to do. I thought Sam did a fantastic job because his face just goes blank. And he kind of just stares off. And then he he can't even sit still. He has to get up and pace like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God, what do we do? Oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Oh, my God, I feel so terrible. It's a situation that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, let alone somebody that I'm very fond of, um, even though he's fictional, the, to know and understand that kind of thing that your child is going through. And I thought that they did a really good job conveying that. And then, you know, to top it all off, the fact that she's pregnant potentially with this rapist's child, even though they don't at this point know that it was Stephen Bonnet. Uh-oh. God. That fucking sucks. Like, Diana's just a sadist. She really is. She likes to put her characters through the ringer. But anyway, I thought that that scene was a nice coupling with the earlier tender scene of them talking about how they didn't want Bree to go back. So to wrap up this episode, in the beginning we talked about how Lizzie really just felt absolutely terrible. Because she didn't stop Brie from going with Roger. And she felt that Brie's attack was 100% preventable if she had just spoken up. And then we wrap back around to the end where Roger comes back to the Ridge and he's looking for Brianna. He didn't leave like she thought he did. Lizzie sees him and she thinks it's Bree's rapist because obviously Bree's not going to recount what happened to Lizzie right after it happened. She's not in the mental state to be able to do that. And I honestly think the only reason that she brought it up to Claire was because she is pregnant and she couldn't avoid it any longer. So when Lizzie sees Roger, she decides to act. It wasn't the right decision by a long shot, but she didn't know that. She didn't know that it was really her mistress's husband that she was tattling on, so to speak. So I sympathize with her because she thought she was doing the right thing. And in reality, she didn't know the half of the story. It really sucks for everybody involved, but I can't say that I blame Jamie for his actions. First off, it's the 18th century where... Fathers and husbands defended their women and they were within their rights to behave like that. Honestly, sometimes I kind of miss that kind of thing because nowadays you can't defend anybody without getting in trouble, it seems. I mean, think about where Jamie's coming from. He's just learned that his daughter has been going through the exact same thing that he went through at the beginning of season two. If you remember that emotional torment and the nightmares and all of that like how terrible it was he's just found out that his daughter's going through all of that and then to have the man that did it right in front of you like if he had had Blackjack Randall right in front of him when it happened he would have killed him back in season two so to think that he was gonna act any differently towards the man that assaulted his daughter fat chance we know he has a temper in the first place and then you put the man in front of you that defiled your daughter, yeah, Roger's lucky that Jamie didn't kill him, honestly. And I can't say that I blame Jamie for that. In fact, I would defend Jamie's actions because he didn't know he was given the wrong information. And yes, he probably should have given Roger a minute to defend himself. At least ask, hey, are you so-and-so? Do you know my daughter? Well, how do you know my daughter? You know, (laughs) ask some questions first. And at that, yes, I do understand that. That he shouldn't have just come out and waylaid him like that. But at the same time, Lizzie said she was sure that it was the guy that raped Brianna. So he took Lizzie at her word and he acted. It's pretty shitty, especially when you consider what everybody goes through in the remainder of the season while they're trying to find him and get him back. Yikes. But yeah, that is the birds and the bees my quote of the episode was one from the very beginning, the very first scene. It's when Lizzie is laying in bed with Brianna and she puts her hand on the pillow and says, "You have my hand here in my ear if you should need it." And at the time, Bree kind of dismisses it and she says, "Lizzie, please just go to sleep." But in season five, we find out that that's something that Brianna remembers and it really mattered to her. And it was a source of comfort for her, despite the fact that she barely acknowledged it at the time. So I really did love that scene. It was very powerful, that line, because it just goes to show that just because someone doesn't spill their guts when something terrible happens, it doesn't mean that your words can't comfort them. It just means they're not ready to talk about it yet. And then my honorable mention was the line between Jamie and Bree when he says, you're my flesh and blood. And now that you've returned to me, I found you're my heart and soul as well. I thought that was so adorable, but also so touching because I think Brie needed to hear that, that she meant something to him. And There was this fear, I think, especially after the whole incident with Leary when she said, you know, I only hope he doesn't turn you away a second time, blah, 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 getting in Bree's head. And despite the fact that the bigger part of Bree probably told her it's not true, your mom told you that Jamie loved you and that's the whole reason that she had to go back through the stones because he wanted to make sure that you were safe the primary voice in her head is telling her all of these things, but you know that little devil on her shoulder had to be whispering, well, what if he doesn't really want you? What if he just wants your mother? What if you're just getting in the way? So to have that validation that she actually is loved by him, it must have meant the world to her. And so that's that was my honorable mention. My performance of the episode was Sophie Skelton because I just really feel like she did a phenomenal job. This episode, showing all of her mental torture and PTSD, the amount of research that she put into portraying Brianna's PTSD accurately speaks volume to the type of actress she is. I know that she can catch a lot of flack because she's definitely not the most talented of the main four on this show, but she really is great when she puts her mind to it the little ways that she would flinch away from people that wanted to touch her or would kind of just stare off into space and have this flashback or the way that she portrayed fatigue so well so that you didn't even have to know that she was having nightmares to know that she wasn't sleeping well. All of that put together really just made her performance for me, made this episode what it was. So thank you, Sophie Skelton. Well, that about wraps up what I have to say on 409, The Birds and the Bees. But as always, I threw it out to you guys to see what you thought of this episode. So without further ado, let's get into listener comments. Joan Cohen says, This episode is packed full of great moments, made even better by all the book dialogue that was retained. I appreciate that the writers found a way to incorporate some iconic bits from different points in the story. I thought Sophie Skelton did an outstanding job portraying the trauma and depression Brie is experiencing while trying so hard not to let it show. She's definitely Jamie's child, masking strong emotion behind a blank face, although her body language was very expressive, like when she walks through the in the morning after and flinches as people brush past her. The meeting between Brie and Jamie is just as wonderful as I had imagined, but I also loved some of the smaller moments, like the family dinner with Myrta telling the story about Jamie and Dougal, and Jamie joyfully watching Brie and seeing her smile in her sleep. I love that Claire and Brie immediately connect on a more adult level. Claire is so careful not to be judgmental when she initially thinks Bree slept with more than one man, but it's good to see that Brie can finally release her emotions and allow Claire to comfort her after her revelation about the rape. I did laugh at Brie's verbal eye roll when she comments about not expecting to need condoms. That's the Brie we know. I think Claire is in a no-win situation. She's so used to sharing everything with Jamie, yet the bond she has with Brie is too strong to betray her confidence. I hated how Jamie treated Roger, not even giving him a moment to speak. We haven't seen Jamie in full bloody man mode in a long time. He will always do anything to keep his family from harm, but I suspect this extreme level of impulsive rage is brought about by a father's desire to protect the daughter he loves and anger with himself that he still couldn't keep her safe. Yeah, pretty much all of that. I did get a couple of giggles and yeah, Joan's comment reminds me. So I did really, really like the domestic scene where they're all sitting around the dinner table after Brie arrives on the ridge. I thought that was such a good scene. The eye roll when Brie's like, oh, when I'm supposed to deliver a message um, to Ian and she's like, your mother wants you to write more often. And I had never noticed the Ginormous eye roll that John Bell gives, and then Jamie just laughs and says, "Oh, your ma chiding you from across the seas." Like such a family moment, and I'm glad that this is kind of what Brie is seeing—the more laid back family dinner. She's never had a family before. She's just had Frank and Claire. You know, for the last few years, Frank hasn't been around because he passed away, and then three years ago. Claire left to came back through the stones to Jamie. So I think Brie is really enjoying the family aspect of being back in the 18th century with her mother. But yeah, there's just so much going on. And I think the real tell that something was going on with her is when Claire's like, oh, you'll never guess who I met. And uh, she says, I met George Washington. And Brie barely flinches. She was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) And that was it. And Claire was like, hmm, what's up? Something's really up. When Brie was like, I didn't think I needed to pack condoms, mama. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yes, very good. I agree, Joan. Hillary Granfield says, I love the meeting of Jamie and Brie. So much emotion released that they have both been holding. Jamie was tender and completely overcome. I can never watch it without shedding a tear. I do think that Claire should have given all the information about Brie's assault to Jamie. Poor Roger suffered being beaten nearly to death and being marched to upstate New York due to lack of information on several people's part. If Jamie had known who assaulted Bree, he wouldn't have beat up Roger. Also, Jamie could have consulted with Bree before taking matters into his own hands. Poor Lizzie made an honest mistake based on what she saw. It wasn't Lizzie's fault. Good, complete communication between everyone involved would have avoided a lot of suffering. But then we wouldn't have such a dramatic story, would we? I think that, yes, honesty is always the best policy, and I definitely think that Claire at some point should have told Jamie that Stephen Bonnet was the one that raped Brie. I understand that Claire wanted to keep her daughter's confidence, but also, you can't keep secrets like that from your spouse. Like, you just can't. And I think that Claire could have trusted Jamie to keep it to himself and let Brie tell him in her own time if she ever decided to tell him. I think that that's that's something that's a conscious choice that Claire could have made and trusted Jamie to keep that secret. With the timeline of the show, I don't necessarily know so much that it would have mattered if he had known because the show made it seem like Claire found out really close to when the whole encounter with Jamie and Roger took place. So I don't know that Claire would have had time to tell Jamie, but all in all, Yes, honesty is always the best policy, and most of the time the Frasers are really good about that, but not always. All right, our last comment of the day is from Casey Filson. She said, this is one of the few episodes of season four that I actually like. I think their meeting was done as best as possible for TV, and I like seeing their relationship grow. However, I feel like their bond was so much stronger in the book. To me, Bree seems to cop a major attitude in the show and isn't as open. I do think Claire should have told Jamie. It just strikes me as odd that she didn't. I know a few episodes down the road she explains why, but something big like that is just dot dot dot. Hard to think she wouldn't say anything. I second that. It is really hard to think that she wouldn't tell Jamie at all. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't mesh with the idea of who Jamie and Claire are as a couple. Even though she's trying to keep her daughter's confidence, I still just, I have a hard time processing the fact that she would keep a secret like that. Alrighty, guys. Well, that sums up listener comments, and with all of that, we're gonna close the door on 409 Birds and the Bees. Before we end the episode, though, I do want to take a moment to just say that as I record this on October 9th, 2021, we had New York Comic Con's Outlander panel today, and we got our first promotional image and we got our first teaser trailer. It looks good. Um, I wasn't completely over the moon about the teaser trailer, I felt like it left a lot to be desired. It was only like 45 seconds long. That all being said, the music in the trailer was absolutely gorgeous. It was so great to see everybody again in their costumes and everything. We got a couple of little tidbits about what we can expect in season six, but not a whole lot of details. Like, honestly, the panel was kind of boring compared to the last few New York Comic Cons we've had. I don't know whether that's because more than half of the panel attended virtually and it just didn't have the same feel. And I also don't think that the panel moderator did a a fantastic job with it. But we did get a few details, like I said. They said that because of COVID protocols, they had to restrict scene sizes a lot. So there are a lot more intimate scenes between two or three people versus the huge group scenes that we have. They're still there. They're just not as prominent, which I don't think will be a lot of issues because, honestly, I like that part of Outlander. I like it when we get two people in a really great scene and it's just emotional and honest and real. Those are the kind of scenes that I like. I can take or leave the huge action sequences, but the tender scenes between couples, those are my favorite We did find out that the Christies are going to be a major part of this season, much what we expected there. Like I said, not a whole lot of, like, shocking revelations. The promo image is kind of cool, so check that out. I shared it on social media. As for everything else, if you guys want more details on some of the things that I learned in this year's Comic-Con panel, you can watch my live on TSF Absassinax Facebook group. Or I believe you can live stream the panel yourself on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube. If it's not, it's definitely on the New York Comic Con website. And as far as I know, it's available to everyone for free. I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for joining me this week. And make sure to tune in next week for my analysis of Season 4, Episode 10, The Depart's Core. With all that, you guys have a great week. Stay safe out there. And I will chat at you later. Bye!